Hello, welcome. Here we are again. Welcome back to the Shinfo Desmond podcast. This is episode 11. This is the first time that I've recorded a podcast or an interview live with a guest in front of me. We're still in quarantine, but we're breaking the rules. Today's special guest is not only a legend of a bloke, but I'm also proud to call him my brother-in-law. He was a member of Comeback Kid at the peak of their success with Turn It Around and Wake the Dead being game changers for the scene at the time. And on their first tour to Australia in 2005, they not only played in the Parkway Drive basement to less than 10 kids, unfortunately I wasn't there, but he also met my sister, which was to become a long-distance relationship before Kevin left the band and moved to our country and became a member of our family. Welcome to the show, Kevin Cole. Hey, Jed. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. This is epic. Anytime. Kevin Ladd, let's get straight into it. <laughs> Take me back to your high school days, living in Minnesota, and first getting into punk and hardcore. Right. Well, it was much different from here. No surf, no uh, waves, no warm weather. Um, no, it was good. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm from Minnesota, and there's a, uh, there's, I don't know what it's like now, uh, actually, but there's long been a, a good music scene there and, and hardcore scene. Um, I got into, I got into it all through my brother-in-law and my sister, um, Emily and Dave. Um, basically, I'd always been really into music and everything, and my, um, <clears throat> Um, my friends and I started a band when I was like 13, 14 or something like that. Actually, the first band I was in, um, the singer was Jason Gleason, who later went on to sing in Further Seems Forever. Did I ever tell you that? No. There you go. They're pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah, right. I helped invent him. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so yeah, I don't know. It was cool. The, the scene in Minneapolis was really good. Um, yeah, I, I was I was doing a band with my friends, and my my future brother in law dropped me off, gave me a ride to band practice, and he said, oh, "What what kind of band are you in?" And I was like, "Oh, uh, you know, it's I don't know, alternative or something like that." And he was like, "No, you need to start a punk rock or a hardcore band." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> what were you listening to at the time? What's that? What band did you like? Uh, well, when we were doing that band, I, I just love like, just like whatever the fuck was on the radio. I mean, it was the 90s. It was like the mid 90s. So everything was kind of like good. So like Stone Temple Pilots and Bush and stuff like mm. that. But then my brother-in-law gave me, what was the first thing he gave me? I think the first couple of records he gave me were Gorilla Biscuit, Starts a Day and Earth Crisis, Destroying the Machines and I just fell in love with it. At 15? Yeah, like 14 or 15 or Psycho. something like that. Yeah, it was sick. And I, like, I was kind of a nerd, and I wasn't like into, like I don't know, partying and stuff like that. So like when I saw Gorilla Biscuits' lyrics about being straight edge and stuff, I was like, oh, well, this is sick. And that was me. Done. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, just, I, yeah, just to condense it, my brother-in-law and my sister started bringing me to shows and my first show was, I think it was, um, 
It was definitely, yeah, it was Earth Crisis. Earth Crisis, um, Scarhead, uh, who else was it? Damnation AD and some other band. It's like, a, yeah. <laughs> like our first show is like irrelevant and like taking sides. No, they're, they're not even. Yeah, you, right. So, you know, like the comparison is insane. Wow. Like, oh, yeah, your first show is Earth Crisis yeah. and you were Edge at 15. Like, yeah. So much different. Oh, I, I've never been more scared than I was oh, at that I show. Can imagine. <laughs> I like, I like went up to the front of like, because it was a pretty big club. They played this place in Minneapolis called First Avenue. It's a pretty popular place, but um, it was my first time like at a show and I just didn't know what to think. And it was a semi biggish club. And then like, I was kind of like standing way in the back and then my brother-in-law went up to the front uh, for Earth Crisis, and I just—I'd never seen a mosh pit, mm. I'd never seen a circle pit, anything. I was just like freaking out, and my brother-in-law had to like fully protect me. Was he edge as well? Yeah, yes, he got me into all of it. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I was like, I was like, oh my god, I was just so stoked, I couldn't even believe it. And I'd been into hardcore for like ten minutes, and I was already like yelling in between songs. I was like yelling. Like, yeah, Minneapolis straight edge <laughs> and stuff like that. Far was, out. Yeah, it was pretty funny. And doing backups with Carl. Singing, yeah. Singing Firestorm. Yeah, exactly. Holy shit. It was mental. And you were just hooked from then on. Hooked from then on. It was sick. I think Carl almost fought someone at the show, which was sick. Um, yeah, it was just great. So there was a big scene back then. Yeah. Like, there's a really good scene. Like, um, bands like Threadbare. Uh, Harvest, Disembodied, um, who else? Those are probably the three, like, marquee, like... From Minneapolis. Yeah, the famous ones from Minneapolis. Um, later on, bands like Martyr AD formed, and I don't know. That's, yeah, That's skits. Yeah, it's because it's, it's just so cold there during the winter is that... <clears throat> my theory is that people just, like go into a practice space and write music <laughs> with other dudes and then come up with good bands. Is that what you did? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I couldn't get enough of it. So I started a band. So the band I started with Jason, uh, Jason Gleason, we were just in this shitty, like alternative band. And then I was like, Oh, let's, I was listening to like strife and Snapcase and earth crisis and all the victory stuff. And I was like, Oh, let's, let's start a band. And, the start a hardcore band and Jason was like, okay. So me and him and my friend Adam started this awful hardcore band called affinity. Infinity. <laughs> no affinity. Affinity. Was, yeah. Yeah. But we were like, we got like everyone in our high school. We got them like, uh, to come see us. And we, we like birthed a whole like section of the hardcore scene in the suburbs of Minneapolis. It was pretty funny. Um, did but, you play shows? Yeah, we did. Played a, played a shit ton of shows. We actually played... Uh, there's this guy, this local like booking legend. He, he booked all the shows, and he took a liking to us for some reason. And um, he booked us on a short run with Throwdown. No way. Yeah. He was like, hey, uh, Throwdown's going to come to town, so I'm going to put you guys on a bunch of the shows like around the Midwest. And we were like, oh, that's mental. We couldn't believe it. So you were still in high school? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I think I was like, I don't know, yeah, like 17 or something like that. 
I'm hazy on dates. I'm not like you. I'm super good with dates, but yeah, I was just a young lad. And <laughs> like our parents at the time didn't really, well, my parents were cool, but Jason's parents didn't really trust him. So we did these dates with Throwdown. We were supposed to do a bunch, but we ended up doing, so we played with them in Minneapolis and then we played in Wisconsin, Racine, Wisconsin, and then Chicago. So just, it's just your first time there pretty much. In Chicago? Yeah. No, no. I mean, I've, I've got family from Chicago. Right. That's where my parents are but from. were you so. driving yourselves to the shows? Our f- fucking dads. <laughs> like like I said, they didn't. Jason's parents didn't really trust him. So Jason's dad and then Jason's dad's friend, just some random dude, like the dude drove his Jeep and Jason's, Jason's dad drove his van. His, like the family van. So like we split up the band and we drove in this Jeep and this van and we played these shows and like we were trying to like hang out with Throwdown afterwards and like, you guys want to get some pizza and stuff? But we had these old like dads with us and they're like, no, we're cool. No. But anyway, is that when funny. like, um, don't have to be blood to be family was out. Yeah. It was about that. Oh no. It was like, it was, it was after the eight. It was before that. Right. When did that come out? I don't even know, but I, they're probably just turning off their, their demo or something. It was their, it was their, yeah, I suppose. Don't have to be blood. That was like their second. Wasn't yeah, it? I think so. Okay. So it was after their first album then right. before that came out. Okay. It was when, um, we could be wrong. We're probably, yeah, I'm Shinfo with dates. Like I said, Brandon was still in the band from bleeding through. He was still playing guitar. Okay. Um, so I don't know whenever it was wild, people, people can look it up. Mm. Um, so how so, long did that band last? Oh, I got kicked out of it. <laughs> what did you do wrong? Oh, lived a life, had a job, like yeah, right. didn't commit every single moment to the band because the rest of the band. So I went to one high school and the other, the rest of the guys in the band went to the other. So they were always like palling around and like hanging out with each other all the time. But I lived in a different part of town. I lived on the wrong side of the tracks and went to the went to the other high school. So um, we just kind of grew apart. And then like I, I, don't know, I missed a couple of practices because of work or school commitments or some shit. And then I got kicked out. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I got kicked out of that. And then not not around that time, Harvest had just broken up and I had become friends with Dave, the singer from Harvest in that time. And so I got kicked out of affinity and then started, um, season of fire with Dave Okay. from harvest. So he was looking to do a new band and I was looking to do something a bit, yeah, better, more serious. And cause I was writing a lot of the music for affinity. I was always like a songwriter. So, um, yeah, I linked up with Dave and I was like, Oh, let's start a band. So we started season of fire. And then that was like, that was like my first proper tour with that band. Mm. Like I worked for a whole summer. Um, just yeah. Working all day, every day to try to save up money for it. And, um, yeah, we did a tour of like the East coast. I think we played Hellfest. One of the Hellfests we played, we went and played and, uh, we did a tour of like Eastern Canada and stuff. And that was kind of like through doing that, like I kind of got to know more people and just got, you know, I was playing a lot of shows and then, um, so that would have been 99. 
Yeah, it was, it was like after I, I graduated high school in 2000 and then went to <clears throat> uni for like, I don't know, a year or something and hated it and had no idea what I was doing. So I quit uni right? and then did bands, did Season of Fire. So yeah, probably like 2001. Okay. Sometime around there. Um, I remember listening to that band. I can't yeah. remember what they sound like now, but... It was basically a Harvest ripoff. Right. Yeah, like I was just, Harvest was my favorite band of all time. Okay. And I was just, I wanted to do stuff right. like them. Um, and the the guitar player from Affinity eventually left Affinity and then joined Season of Fire with me. Okay. So um, Adam, him and I had a good sort of writing partnership. So we wrote stuff together well. But yeah, so actually, funnily, funnily enough... I found out so many years later that Ben used a Season of Fire song in one of his bodyboard videos. Oh, yeah. For Winston's section, I think. Was it? Possibly. Or maybe he, no, maybe Winston had a, a different band. But, yeah, we, we used to like them. Um, Far out. For a small amount of time. I couldn't. I can't even Are believe it. Are they on it. Spotify? I don't think so. Mm. I'd, I'd, I'd be really again. surprised. Yeah. I've got it. I've got it all. I'll give it to you for Christmas. Yeah, right. I'm psyched. <laughs> Add it to the collection of CDs that I don't use right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So that went for a year or two? Yeah. That went for a little Who while. Who did you sign to? Uh, Goodfellow Records. Goodfellow. Good, <laughs> Goodfellow. Goodfellow. Yeah. They wouldn't have lasted long. I, yeah. It's um, Chris from uh, Chokehold started that label. Um, who else was on that label? Taken. Do you know that band? They no. were on it. Yeah. Just like it was a full on metalcore label. You were deep in the metalcore scene. Yeah, I guess so. Like, yeah, super into it. Yeah. I, I started out on all the old school stuff, but then got right into the metalcore mm. stuff. Um, you were just a straight edge warrior back then, were you? Yeah. Full on straight edge warrior. And then how did you end up? Well, that band ended, just stopped. And then you just were hanging around doing nothing or? No, no, I was still doing that band. I was doing another band as well. I was doing like this heavy straight edge band called Devastator. That was a lot of fun. Have I ever, have I ever showed you that? I've never heard of it. Oh, Is that why your name's Devastator? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly Is why. It? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. I started Devastator with a couple of friends and it was just, it was meant to be a ripoff of like, did you ever hear that band Shockwave? Yeah, oh, yeah, I loved them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was super into them. Yeah, my brother-in-law uh, and I were just we were just obsessed with that band so much so that we drove twenty-seven hours wherever it was to Syracuse or was it Syracuse anyway somewhere in upstate New York to watch Shockwave and Path of Resistance Whoa. play a show. I couldn't even believe it. Anyway, was Shockwave Edge band? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. So. Edge, Edge is fuck. They're yeah. just sweating Transformers. Yeah, <laughs> which for some reason Transformers got cool in the scene. Yeah, it for totally a while, did. Dudes were getting tattoos <laughs> of them, and I'm like, "What are you doing? Did like, that come over here? It at came all? over here. Did it like, really? Dudes in our crew um, have not like full chest pieces of Transformers. No way. They looked cool, kinda, but. You know, most tattoos are shit anyway. Yeah, right. But, so who cares? I'd probably rather transform a tat than most of my tats now. Yeah. But, um, fuck, that's weird. Yeah. I don't know why. It just 
got into the Transformers thing and got into, yeah, and basically started a shockwave cover band almost. Um, but some of the songs are still kind of good. You might, I'll, I'll show it to you. Anyway, so yeah, I was doing that band and Season of Fire and just whatever else. And the dudes and Comeback Kid would come down to Minneapolis for shows because no bands would ever drive up to Winnipeg to play. Um, so they just come down to Minneapolis. So I just, I, I just got to know all these Winnipeg dudes. Um, one of which being Scott Wade, original singer of comeback kid. Um, and he gave me the comeback kid demo when it came out. And I, I saw them a couple of times. And of course I was in a figure four as well, like Andrew and Jeremy's band. Mm. Um, and just, yeah, just kind of got to know those guys. And then in 2000 and I think it was 2003, Season of Fire was done. I wasn't really doing, oh no, sorry. After Season of Fire, Dave and I started another band called The Good Fight. I don't know if you ever heard them at all, but um, we got signed to Indecision Records, but never put anything out. We broke up up before we could put anything out. Um, But it was just kind of, I don't know, that we kind of were riding the whole like, do you remember like after the metalcore thing, there was just kind of a resurgence in like old school hardcore and stuff. Mm. That's kind of what what the good fight was doing. Um, you could probably find the demo out there somewhere. But um, so I was doing that band, and then um, yeah, got to know the the comeback kid guys, and Scott asked me to fill in for them um, in two thousand three. And what was the deal with that? I don't know. Anyway, I ended up filling in because their original bass player, like, I think he was about to have a baby or something like that. So I did a tour with them um, and Champion, I think it was. Um, It's all just kind of blending into one now. It's hard Mm -hmm. to remember. But yeah, started off in 03, filling in for them. And then it became a full-time thing in 2005. Okay. So... Um, so it took you a while to get actually in the band. Yeah, well, <laughs> Scott and I kind of had a falling out a little bit, which is n- the story is not for this. The story is yeah. The story is not for this podcast. I'll tell, okay. it, to, I'll tell it to you after. <laughs> but um, anyway, Scott and I had a bit of a falling out, and um, and so we just. But then we ended up making up, and and then uh, and then I toured with them again in two thousand four. And sorry, the 2004 tour was with Champion. The 2003 one was with Throwdown, Terror, and Every Time I Die. So I, I think, yeah, it was nuts. It was crazy, actually. That tour in 03, we were on tour with those bands, Throwdown, Terror, and Every Time I Die. Terror was still kind of like a newish band. So that was summer of 03. And at the same time, there was another tour going on that was Bane. Uh, the Promise and Suicide File, and those two tours happened to link up and have the same like mega show together in Cleveland. Right. So it was all those bands and Comeback Kid in one day, like, almost like a fest. Mm. It was wild, but anyway, would have been psycho for you. It's pretty I mean, mental. Were you into those bands as well? Yeah, yeah, I loved all of them. I wasn't. I was never really super into Every Time I Die, but um, just being on that tour and mm. just. <laughs> Just being like, I'd always like worshipped a lot of those bands, yeah. especially like Bane. Mm. It was like one of my 
still one of my all-time favorite bands mm. and to actually like be playing with them it was just nuts yeah it was a crazy time for music yeah it's just like i I just got asked to it was really weird because i got asked to fill in so like like overnight i just went from being like the sweater that's just like fan of all these bands to all of a sudden being mm. like on their level or whatever um what was touring like back then oh it was weird it was just like <clears throat> so primitive like you know there's no like you know no iphones no internet no mm. wi-fi everywhere you turn no like we just had a big like atlas mm. big like map uh it was like this huge like <laughs> it was like the size of a fucking oh it was this gigantic book and it just had every state in it I with every heart. Did you have the one. same one? Yeah. <laughs> just because I like maps, we actually didn't need it because we had a GPS. Right. I literally just bought it at Walmart so I could look at different states and go, oh, it'd be cool to go there one day. <laughs> I'm just a map sweater. Yeah, you, yeah, you do like the maps. Mm. And you're good with them too. Yeah, I am. Yeah. You would have been like a full-on good touring guru uh, to yeah. be with I should at be the a, start I should be a tour guide yeah that would that would be a good uh, although when we first arrived like I was so scared of how big everything was oh in America it, yeah so yeah. we arrive in America get given a van by bleeding through who <laughs> I think or maybe it was this is another tour they're like hey borrow Brandon Chipetti's van just don't crash it and I'm just this fat Desmond <laughs> with fucking lip rings <laughs> And I'm like, oh, okay. And then, like, just get told to drive around America on the other side of the road. Like, it was crazy. Was it psycho? Yeah, it was. You, you would have picked it up pretty quick, though. You do, but yeah. it's still intimidating. Would you have started in L.A. then? Yeah, most yeah. tours. Oh, that would have been psycho yeah. if you're your first time yeah. figuring it out in L.A. Yeah. That's nuts. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, no one needs to hear about me. <laughs> Uh, no, you're an interesting fellow. Um, I don't know. So that was it. You were just in the band, 2005. <clears throat> 2005. Actually, you'll like this. I'm pretty sure I probably told you this before, but um, Scott emailed me and asked me if I wanted to be in the band full time. And at the time, he didn't have internet at his apartment and he didn't own a computer. So he would check his in, he would check his emails by going to his mom's house like every other day or every two days or something like that. And because I would like talk to him once in a while and be like, "Oh, hey, did you get that email that I sent you?" And he's like, "Oh no, I haven't. I haven't been to my mom's house lately." <laughs> so he sends me an email asking if I want to be in the band. And at the time, my sister, my older sister Emily, was about to give birth to my niece Ivy. Um, and I was like super stoked to be an uncle and I wanted to be around for that. Um, cause Scott had emailed me and was like, Hey, we really want you to join the band and our first tour. Um, like if you join your first tour will be in January in Australia. And I was like, Oh, that's mental. And so I wasn't sure. I just, I had this full-time job and I had, um, uh, benefits. I had like healthcare and stuff, which in America is psycho. Mm. If you have a job that you can get healthcare, then you're set and you don't want to lose it. It's just so insane to think about. 
when you now living in Australia. But so I had this job, I had this niece on the way and I was just like, Ooh, just trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I thought about it and thought about it. And I wrote back turning him down. Yeah, I, right. I was like, no, no, I kind of like where I'm at, where I am at the moment. Like I, I don't want to do it. And, um, and then I didn't get a response and, uh, and then I got a phone call from Scott and he's like, Hey, so have you thought about it? Are you going to join? And I was like, Oh, didn't you get my email? And he's like, no, I haven't been to my mom's house <laughs> in a couple of days. And, uh, he talked you into it. He talked me into it. He was like, come on, man, we really want you to do it. Ah, da, da, da. And I was like, ah, all right, let me think about it again. Hung up with him. And then I was, I was hanging out with my friend and I was telling him all this stuff. And he was like, oi, if I asked you um, if there was one thing that you could do, like with your life, what would it be? And I was like, oh, play music. And he's like, well, there you fucking go, mm. you idiot. And I went, oh, yep. So I called Scott the next day. I was like, yep, I'm in. And then drove up to Winnipeg, like learned all the songs. Uh, at that time, it was only Turn It Around that was out. Right. Um, so drove up to Winnipeg and then got on a plane to Australia. Wow. And it's nuts. Mm. And like, I just, I didn't know what to think. When I arrived here, you, have you ever thought of Australia before that moment? No, I mean, I've got I have an uncle that lives here, and he's lived here like since the seventies, I think. So, but it just that's all I knew of it. Mm. it was, oh, I have an uncle that lives there. He lives in Wagga Wagga or something, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's it. And I, yeah, I know what a kangaroo is, and I think Steve Irwin was really big at the time as well. So, like, I knew about yeah. him. That was it. I had wow. no idea. Actually, Rosie actually asked, asked me this recently. Like, what, you know, did you know anything about Australia? And I was like, I had no so idea. you get to Australia. Get to Australia. First stop, Byron Bay. And <laughs> I'd, I'd never seen filthier people. I couldn't believe it. I showed up to Winston's house. Bronwyn uh, picked us up at the airport. I think we flew into Sydney and then we flew to Brisbane and then drove down to Byron and we drove to Winston's house and there waiting for us were all these filthy children. Mm. <laughs> like, God, you're lucky that I wasn't there. Yeah. Oh, I just, yeah, Be we'll a get fat to that. man and <laughs> 10 filthy children. <laughs> So it was all of that minus the fat man. Mm. Yeah. There was just, I couldn't believe it. That's, at the time, I was a huge germaphobe, a ger- germaphobe and... Still are. Still are. Yeah. This pandemic has brought it back. <laughs> uh, and I had this, like, favorite, like, travel pillow of mine. And I showed up at Winston's house and I... And Pi was there. Jaya was there. And he's like, oh, what's this thing? And he picks up, because it was like really squishy. It was really weird. And he picks it up and he's like, oh. And he just starts rubbing it all over his body. <laughs> and he's like, oi, everyone come feel how soft this is. And everyone takes turns rubbing it all over their heads and bodies. And I was just mortified. I was frozen. I, I'm pretty sure like I was white. 
And, oh my god! And I'm pretty sure I chucked it in the bin. I went, no, yeah, that's done. You would have. <laughs> oh, and all, and everyone's running around barefoot, and I just thought it was like we went to Woolies to get groceries, and everyone comes with us, and, and everyone walks in with bare feet, and I just went, what the fuck? Is it the first on? time you've seen someone I'd with no never shoes seen, on? Yeah, first time. First time I'd seen someone walk down a street. <clears throat> also, there was a car parked in Winston's parents' driveway on the, uh, sorry, uh, in the front garden, like on the grass. Never seen that before. Like, you don't do that in America. You've never seen a car parked on grass. Well, I've seen it before, but. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe this, listeners? <laughs> This is an American guy. Oh, if that happens in America, you're white trash. Straight up. Nobody parks their car on grass. That does not happen, at least in the Midwest. <laughs> oh, fuck. So that's what I see. I pull up and I see filthy children with no shoes and no socks and a car parked on the grass. And I'm like, where the fuck am I? And it was mental. Um, and then you get driven to this house. To play a show, is that right? Well, yeah, but we went to uh, we went to um, Dolphins. We went to the beach. And is it your got first beach? First beach. That was your first beach. First. Well, no, I've been to a, a beach before. I've been to Florida before, I think. Right. But like first international beach, mm. like, and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. <laughs> <laughs> it was unbelievable. There's like. And we went for a swim. There was all these. So the, the, there's so many children. There was like Callum was there, I think. Yeah. Callum Preston. Well, miles away are on the tour, right? Yeah. So, so all those guys were there. were there. And that was just normal then. Oh, the international bands here. We're all going to hang out with them. <laughs> right. They're just expected to want to do that. And we're going to take them surfing, swimming, jumping off bridges. Oh, I mean, I loved it. It was great. Like no one would have hated it. Oh, but yeah. But thinking back sick. now. Like oh. Imagine a band coming out and we're like, we're going to hang out with you. <laughs> like, fuck that. Yeah. Not hanging out with another man. No. <laughs> a metal dude taking him around the shops. Like, it's just so weird. Yeah. But it was the greatest thing. Besides being disgusted at first by the bare feet, like, I loved it. Everyone was just super nice. And yeah, we went for a swim and, and then... After the swim, went back to Winston's, and each of us had a 45-minute shower, <laughs> and we got written off. No one could believe it. Um, yeah, and then we showed up at Parkway for a barbecue, and everyone in, that's close to me knows the story. I had got some ginger beers, and I walked into the house, and I saw this blonde-haired girl, and I was like, oh, do you have... Uh, do you have a cooler for these ginger beers? And she goes, cooler? Oh, you mean an Esky? <laughs> and I was like, what did this person just say to me? <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was, yeah, it was awesome. Everyone was there barbecuing. It was sick. Um, yeah, did you hear about, so you heard about us being at your house, like, yeah, so I I had chosen to go on a around the world adventure um, in July '04, before Parkway had kind of even been you know doing more shows than just going to Brisbane. Right. So I had no idea that that the band was going to take off. I just thought it was just going to be another shit band. 
So I was like, I'm going to go overseas and um, try work in the snow season in Whistler. Right. And when I got there, I got ridden off for being straight edge, oh. like so hard. And then I searched on MySpace for um, a vegetarian straight edge person. And one dude came up and it was John McRae. Oh, huge. Who's still a good friend now. <laughs> He's a legend. And um, he said, yeah, you can sleep behind my couch um, <laughs> if you want. So what, like the space in between the couch and a wall and a wall. Yeah. On a blow up <laughs> mattress. And he had four housemates who all went to uni or worked or just lived normal lives. And I decided to get a job because I had pretty much no money. So I ended up getting a job. Um, stacking shelves at a supermarket from midnight till 8am <laughs> oh my god so I worked all night and tried to sleep during the day get home at like 9 and these people are just waking up like making coffee and <laughs> going why is there a fucking Australian asleep behind my couch and I did it for like 4 months and every weekend we'd go to shows and see like just international bands every weekend. Were you loving it? Or yeah, were you I was, I was okay. loving it. I hated working, but I loved everything else. Because right. I was hanging out with straight edge dudes who who liked the same music as me. Right. Saw Misery Signals with their original singer like oh, in 2004, yep. which just was psycho for yeah. me at the time. And a thousand other bands. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. Um, but yeah, I guess MySpace was huge. And everyone's like, this is happening at your house right now. Wow. Comeback kids playing in your basement. Mental. And you're in minus 10 degrees, <laughs> Vancouver being sad. Wow. Yeah. You would have gotten burnt then. Yeah, I would have got burnt for sure. Well, we were all burnt. We were sunburnt. Like, it was unbelievable. We showed up to the house and, like, I, I was okay. I was a bit pinkish, but everyone else was just cooked like to a burnt to a crisp and we were all just units we had just flown in we were so tired and um and everyone kept on chanting for comeback kid to play like comeback kid so andrew and i went down to the basement and andrew hopped on the drums and i grabbed a guitar because who would have uh chuck norris is that who would have been playing i think it was was that Winston's? I think Chuck Norris played the show, yeah. Yeah, okay. It wasn't even, yeah. It was just like, we're all just like eating burgers and stuff and sausages. And then all of a sudden some music started happening. And I guess that must have been Chuck Norris. But mm. So everyone started chanting. We went downstairs. Andrew and I just started playing random riffs and just like famous songs or whatever. And everyone was just like, nah, this is shit. And they kept on chanting. And, uh, and then the rest of the guys, cause the rest of the guys didn't want to have anything to do with it. Cause they were so sunburned and tired. And I guess finally the chanting convinced them mm. and they came downstairs and we played three or four songs, I think. And it was psycho. <laughs> Everyone just circle pitted in the basement. Circle pitted, hanging from like the fucking rafters and making a human pyramid and just getting silly. Mm. It was epic. Mm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Would have been good. Yeah, it was sick. Um, so from there, you did the tour. Did the tour. It was the best thing ever. It was Paradise. It was amazing. Like, we played... Um, so we played... We had the hang here at Parkway. Went up, played Brisbane, and then came back down and played Byron again and hung out with your sister that night. 
Went for a walk up the lighthouse. All right, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll spare you spare you the details. <laughs> uh, yep, did the rest of the tour, and then yeah, it went to Japan after that, which was like the worst thing ever at first because we went from like the sunny, warm place where everyone spoke English to freezing winter hell hole where everything was small and filthy but yeah anyway so it was a great time and then from there the band just raged yeah we didn't stop mm. we just toured like maniacs and uh like god how many u.s tours do you reckon you've done oh my god i should have come more prepared um at least three or four years. Take like a good, yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. At least between that and Canada, yeah, we'd always do because you know the band was Canadian except for me, so we'd always like we'd usually start in Winnipeg and either go east or west, and then depending on which way we did, we would just go down that coast in the U.S. and then yeah, God, we just went all over, and then Europe and then back, and we did a tour. I think it was like one of my last tours. In summer of, oh, fuck, I don't know, 08 or, or 07, basically um, Rise Against. We opened up for Rise Against. And they their whole thing was like they wanted to do the anti-warped tour. They didn't want to do the warp tour. So they just toured all summer and didn't stop. And we were on that tour. That's right. And Rosie had moved to Minnesota and was living in Minnesota when I was on tour in the summer for three months straight. Yeah, well. It was ridiculous. And that was actually the tour that I announced that I was going to be leaving the band. Okay. Um, and then did and then did Europe with Parkway after that, I think, and then moved over here. Yeah, that was the end of 07, Never Say Die. Yep. Um, Parkway was, Kameki was headlining. Oh, fuck, that's right, we were, weren't we? Yeah, and then Parkway was direct support. Yeah. And I think the year after, or two years after, it, sw- it swapped over. Yeah, because we were like, it was pretty head-to-head, mm. that tour. Like, there were some nights where we clearly were like the bigger draw, mm. but there were some nights, like a lot of nights where they were like, you could tell they were So when out. did um, Wake the Dead happen, and were you involved in that? Uh, That happened, that was being recorded as I joined... The band. Okay. So the phone call that I had with Scott, like convincing me to be in the band, that phone call took place when he was at the recording studio right. doing Wake the Dead. Um, so I joined like before it came out. Okay. Um, so I didn't contribute to that record at all, but um, I, yeah, I rode the wave of success. Mm. That was just like, like firing on all gears. Like that came out, like victory was fully behind us. Like we're getting crazy good reviews. It was just like, it was the craziest it's ever been. Yeah. Um, I was involved on broadcasting, but that just didn't. Yeah. So if you want to go into what happened with, with Scott, like he, he only lasted that album and then he just got over it, I guess, touring. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, it's what happens with most people. Yeah, exactly. Like he was in a pretty committed relationship and he just, not only just relationship, but he just kind of like mentally just didn't like being on tour like mm. as long as everyone else, like Jeremy and Andrew, like they're full on road dogs mm. and still are like, mm. they're still going crazy. Um, but it just wasn't a, a thing for Scott. And then like, 
because of that. Like it seemed it seemed like we were just all on one page and Scott was on another. And that just led to some tension and then Well, I guess there wasn't much money in it back then. I mean, there was enough. There was enough to like live off of. Okay. Not very well, but um You cover your bills. Yeah. I think it like when he when he left it I'm yeah, we might have done a little bit better. But like by the time broadcasting it seemed like by the time broadcasting had come out and we tore toured off that album, it seemed like it sort of plateaued. Well, so, I mean the tour that um we did Parkway did in the States and Europe in 07, Scott was gone. So Oh right. So you yeah, never toured with him never at all. Seen him play. Oh, far out. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a it was a scary time because we were you know we were drifting apart and Scott actually, um, there was one tour where he was like no I just he flat out refused to go on this one tour I think it was um, what's that band it was like uh, this is hell um, ignite and first blood wow yeah come back kid ignite first blood and this is hell <clears throat> and he just flat out refused to go on it. And um, we're like, okay, well, we're just going to do it. And Andrew's going to sing. And then we got my friend Casey to, to fill in for Andrew's spot. And Casey ended up joining the band. And, yeah, not long after that, um, Scott was like, no, I'm done. And then Yeah, right. Well, it's a pretty easy transition, I guess. Yeah, because Andrew's just like, he's just unbelievably talented. Mm. And he... I think he helped write some of the lyrics anyway. I think it was kind of a joint effort between him and Scott. I could be wrong on that, but um and of course like Andrew wrote him Jeremy wrote the majority of the music. So and Andrew was just such a machine of a frontman in in figure 4 mm. that it was just like the logical He was thing. in that when he was like 16, 17. Yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, he'd been doing it forever. Yeah. Yeah, and he'd been in bands before that too, so he was just like a full-on pro. Wow. And it just made sense like and we, we toyed around with the idea of having other people do it. Like, I think, what's the guy, Todd from With Honor? I think we even, like, considered him for a little bit. And at least maybe other people to fill in and try out and see how it went and stuff. But at the end of the day, we're just like, it just makes the most sense to have mm-hmm. Andrew do it. And at first, he kind of, like, copped uh, Scott's style. It was just like, oh, I'll just do the Scott style of singing. And then he and then eventually made it his, his own thing. Yeah, right. So, um it was a weird time and like he was, it was weird cause he was the guy that got me into the band, mm. got me in the band mm. and introduced me to everybody else. And like, he was my full on gateway into that. And, um, we were probably the closest, like, like I enjoyed hanging out with him the most. We probably had the most in common. Mm. Um, so when he left, it was a, yeah, it was a huge bummer. But. So, um, you're a pretty huge influence <clears throat> in getting Parkway on their first major U S tour. Right. Um, if you remember that, 2007. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Comeback Kid, This Is Hell, It Dies Today. Yes. End Well. End Well. And That's Parkway right. Opening. Park- Parkway Opened that yeah. tour. So Mental. Um, you got any fond memories of that, in particular, <laughs> the last show in <laughs> Seattle? Oh, my God. We don't have to name names, but... Oh. I was oh my god, was that the that was the last show? Wasn't yeah, it? well, I'll just say that was our first full U.S. tour. We did six, it was about thirty-five shows, <clears throat> in a van with 
no with no trailer so we're just borrowing the headliner's gear or anyone's gear basically yeah, mostly ours we yeah. go up to end well and i'd go oh, do you mind if we use your drum kit today and they're like oh no not today maybe tomorrow so we'd have to borrow someone else's <laughs> it was it was fucking That's, hell yeah. like for um for us to just you know get, enter into that world was pretty hard right hard transition right because there's such a hierarchy in america yeah of like your headliner or if you're opener you just know one right and and no one cares right especially in the merch setups like you get the worst spots underneath the stairs in the dark like it's just fucking it's so different to here because we we'd come out and you know shown any american band the best day of their life or yeah fully or, or just whatever and then tight we get over there and it's just totally different yeah. like parkways fucking no one yeah so it was pretty hard but um that's kind of what you gotta do you gotta you know yeah you gotta cop you, it you gotta, you gotta pay your dues yeah sort of thing yeah. but we weren't off it but it's just a full change when we went from australia and and we'd been to europe and it was about the same over there in europe too right but when you tour Australia and getting a thousand people a night, it's like this is psycho. Well, I remember talking to the guys about that, mm. and specifically about America, and they're like, "Oh yeah," I remember them saying, "Oh, I just don't know if America is something that we're going to focus on." Yeah, and I was like, "Okay, I get it, but also, come on, man, yeah. it's your first tour, and you're going to kill it." And look at them now, you know, like they were hoping that no one liked them in America, so it didn't have to go that much, right? <laughs> <laughs> And even on that tour, there was times I feel like where people, that was, were, so, people were so psyched on them. They were smoking Endwell and It yeah. Dies Today and all these bands that, you know, Endwell not so much, but we had looked up to these bands going, It Dies Today is a sick metalcore band. And then, you know, 50 Shame people on. are watching them. Yeah. And we're like... And even it? sometimes b- bigger than us. Sometimes at some that time. Days. Like <clears throat> random places too, mm. like... Places you would have never thought of. Like, it would be absolutely crazy for them. And then it would just be, like, pretty much a bummer after mm. that. The thing that we had on our side was Wake the Dead. Yeah. That song, like, it was just, like, the ultimate sing-along yeah. of the past 20 years or something like that. And yeah. it would always, like, it was always, we could always pull out that big gun. Mm. It would always draw a crowd and get people. No, it was, it was a great tour. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. But, um, it ended pretty funny. Oh my God. For end well. Well, the funny thing, <laughs> the funny thing was that I didn't like at the time, I didn't really, th- I kind of shrugged it off, but I grew more off it and more upset the more that time went by. Cause I was like, hang on a minute. So basically we play in Seattle and before the show, it was before the show, right? Um, in the, we had like a, a backstage green room sort of area, and I was just chilling out with everybody, and I was kind of doing my thing. I don't remember what I was doing, but Casey comes over to me and goes, "Uh, I guess I don't have to name names, yeah." But Casey comes over and goes, "Hey, uh, so and so from Parkway is currently beating the shit out of <laughs> the dude from Enwell. It was the drummer, right?" Oh, oops, sorry. I wasn't supposed to name names. Who cares? I don't listen to this No shit. one's listening. Yeah. Yeah, it was fucking pie. 
Kevin, uh, Pi is beating the shit out of Mike or whatever his name was right now. And I look over and Pi is on top of this guy. Just, just absolutely beating the shit out was of him. Was he? I mean, he was punching him. He was like, on t- I mean, you know, Pi is tall dude. Well, I was we, we need to dude. say why. Yeah, give us the... I don't even remember. You don't really. even know. No. He was like farting on him, Apparently, right? Apparently... Jeff got up and farted on Mike. And that's normal for us to fart on someone else. Yes. Everyone else on it thinks that's really weird. <laughs> and so Mike gets up and goes, what the fuck? You just fart on me? And Jeff goes, because he didn't see who it was. And Pi was just reading his book on, on a chair. And Jeff goes, oh, Pi, you can let him talk to you like that? And he goes, what did you say? And then they just had a little bicker. I don't know. And Mike got up and pushed him. And Pi just then tackled him. And it fell onto a table and split the table in half. Oh, my God. And I can't remember if it was a full like head punch back and forth. But it was a bit of a wrestle. And we'd just been on tour with this guy for 36 days. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> we were like the, the weird Aussies who farted on people. Yeah, and then, you guys were fucked. And then everyone was like fully off us. Yeah. Um, but it turned out that, you know, it didn't really matter. Well, they had... It, well, I, it kind of did matter because he, <clears throat> he, he broke his arm. That's right. He was a drummer and he broke his fucking arm. And they had a tour lined up straight they after that. They had three or four shows to get home oh my God. to New York. Oh, my God. And they had to get a fill-in. They didn't. They didn't bar him. They were like, "We'll just get a fill-in drummer for four shows, and oh we're in no God. one band." Anyway, I I just remember being like later on off it because I yeah I was the guy that got them on that tour. Yeah, that's like right. everyone else was like, "Who the fuck is this band?" Yeah, like, whatever. And I was like, "No, trust me, they're cool. They're good guys. <laughs> they're nice guys." <laughs> and then they end up farting on everyone and beating everyone up. Yeah, sick. We're eating everyone's food because we had no money. We're sleeping outside because yeah. we couldn't afford hotels. <laughs> well, I remember Rose and I met up on that tour somewhere, Florida or something like that. We hadn't seen each other in weeks. And we had a hotel room and uh, I think like you guys gave us I I don't know, uh, not a guilt trip, but basically long story short, you slept in our fucking hotel room that night. Yeah. Like, like the only night that we had together for like weeks, either side. And you slept under the sink in the bathroom. <laughs> That's all I was allowed. <laughs> oh, it was mental. But yes, yeah, so that was, that was a, pretty funny end to the tour i remember they had a huge roadie guy that you were fully scared of that do you remember the, that big roadie dude of theirs john i think his big name john. Is big john yeah and everyone was scared that he was gonna go mental on yeah you that's right and, yeah come attack you but anyway yeah, yeah fuck was, those days were weird yes yeah, anyway weird. sorry if anyone is offended by that story yeah sorry sorry pie sorry mike Sorry, Pie. <laughs> I wrote off Pie in another episode. Did you? Yeah. Not wrote him off, tell him a funny story, but he's a fucking legend. Oh, best guy. Are you going to have um, him on? I don't know. Yeah. He's probably not. He's probably too good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping for Jeff, but uh, who knows? That'd be amazing. Yeah. So um, I, I guess that wraps up your career in Comeback Kid, does it? Yeah. So did, yeah, did that, left the band and uh, moved out here in January of 08. 
because Rose was like, Rose was living in America and she was like, not, her visa was up and she's like, no, nah, I'm out of here. I'm done. And I was like, yeah, Because cool. you were basically never home. I was never home. I, we did a tour of Australia in 06, I think it was, with you. Was you, that with Sick of It All? Sick of It All. You know 06. Was that 06? Well, you were in the band, so it must... Probably somewhere in 07. 07. Probably fitted in. Yeah. Because I was a big pink then, wasn't I? <laughs> I was a pink piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was, that was somewhere big. in 07. You might have been at your biggest. I toured with Sick of It All, psychoist dudes in hardcore, Yeah, and apparently... I tuned a chick that one of them was tuning. Oh, no. And he wanted to fight me. <laughs> what? Yeah. And I think Graham had to go up and say, Diffuse the whole thing. Don't fight this fat pink guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But anyway, oh. I can't believe that you were like, Oh, let's get Jed as our roadie. And I did merch and drove you. But I can't believe yeah, it. That and was- I remember I stayed in the front seat of the whole of the van the whole tour because I wanted to like hang out and get to know you. And you burned me. <laughs> You're like, Oh, you should sit up at the front a lot. Don't you get tired of it? What are you doing? Like, You're off me trying to spend time with you. My future brother-in-law. Yeah, I hated myself. It wasn't your fault. <laughs> okay, all right. That was a rough year. Was just, it? Just, just for the record, Parkway did 186 shows in 2007. Wow. I did all of them. Plus, I did other tours around that, so easily over 200. Fuck. We went to Europe three times and America three times. I drove every tour. Oh, my God. We, we slept in two or three hotels. In a year. Oh my and God. And I probably gained 10 or more kilos that year. <laughs> At the end of that year, I was so burnt, but I continued all of 08. We did nearly another 180 shows in 08. Oh and then by the God. end of that year, I got fired for good. Wow. And I was just like, so I just couldn't wait to get fired. I just knew that I needed to stop touring to, yeah. to lose weight and change my life. It's actually crazy how unhealthy it is for you to tour. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't know how, like, whether it's Ben and the Parkway guys or whoever, like, I don't know how people do it. Mm. It's for a long period of time. It's so fucked. Even if, like, even Parkway status where it's like, whatever, it's pretty comfy now, buses, you know, whatever, flying around. Fuck. It's so heavy. Mm. Like, it's it, it, it messed me up. Like, after I left the band, like... Yeah, and we're a bunch of non-drinking, healthy, eating guys. Yeah. Imagine being party crew oh. and fucking pizzas every night. Like, no. that's that's why I got so big. Yeah, right. Because you, you do 180 shows, driving all day, going to gigs all night, <laughs> trying to find some sleep and eating junk. Oh, my God. Like, good luck. Yeah, and in, in a different place every time. Actually, that U.S. tour, I remember... I specifically remember I looked over at one point in the parking lot before some show and you were just about to put a chocolate muffin into your mouth and Gaz grabbed your hand and like pulled it away and you like were fully off it. Yeah. And fully like yelled at him and then he yelled back at you and you guys got into a fight over a chocolate oh, muffin. The amount of times he tried to stop me from eating. <laughs> I'm just like, just let me do it. <laughs> Like, he was fully trying to help me for years. Right. And I was just like, no, nah, not interested. Yeah, Like, it, it 
it takes you being interested in changing yourself to do something. You can't be told, or you should lose weight, or you yeah. should stop that. Yeah. You have to want you to do it. You have to do it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's our motivational speech for the, yeah. for the episode. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Get psyched. <laughs> yeah. Lose a few pounds, kilos. So uh, we're coming up to nearly an hour. Oh, yeah. This is psycho. This is mental. So how's life changed since you stopped touring? What did you end up doing after that? Yeah, so I moved out here um, and just tried to figure out how to be a human in the world. I like It was pretty mental. I moved to Brisbane. I moved out to Byron at first, and then Rose and I moved up to Brisbane. I got a job at a restaurant, and the first night I was a dishy. Like a month before that, or a few months before that, I played in Europe to 10,000 people. I went from that to being a dishy, and it's it was never heavier. I well, just, quick pause. I'm still a dishy. <laughs> a thirty-nine, Oi. and a dishy. Listen, <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, and it's Byron. It's a, it's, it's a pandemic. Yeah, a dishy is a craved job these days. Yeah, any job is a good job. In these anyway, days. continue. Anyway, so try to figure out how to be a human. I was just—I knew I wanted to still be involved in music, but not like touring and playing in bands and stuff. I would go to like—I would just show up at recording studios and being like, and just like, hey, do you need someone? Like, I would walk into if if a, if a, there was a company that had anything to do with music. I would show up to their office unannounced with my resume and like, Oh, Hey, do you need someone? Anyway? Um, uh, what happened? Yeah. I just, what's life like now? Yeah. I got, I got married. Rose and I got married in Byron. I got a music job with a company in Sydney. And, um, and then after that, we, we had a child, Amelia, and then we went back to the U S and now we're back here. And, um, I'm a music supervisor now, so I work in music. I listen to music all day, every day, and choose music for film and TV and advertising and different visual media productions like that. And um, life's pretty good. You're a surfer? I'm a surfer. Ray taught me how to surf. and You're just a full Byron local now. Full Byron lad, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, who, who would have thought? I can't even believe it. Some guy just rocked up here. And freaked out someone had no shoes on. <laughs> and now you live here. So now every I'm day. one of them. Yeah. I fully went into the to the gas station the other day with no shoes on. Was it scary? No, not anymore. <laughs> Semi scary. I definitely scrub the shit out of my feet when I get home, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm alright in the moment, but then I gotta get home and scrub them good. I mean there's probably fucking needles and shit on the ground around here. So. Yeah, probably. It's pretty yeah, psycho. It, it is just a weird barn thing. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty hippie and free flowing, pretty chill these days, I guess. Mm. I mean, oh, I did that band with Winston for a little bit, Rain Dogs. That was yeah, a thing. That was interesting. That was interesting. That was fun. It didn't ever become anything. Like we have an, we have a EP. Like it's, it just needs to be mixed, and okay. Winston needs to put vocals on it. But that's not going to happen, of mm. course. Um, but like. I remember when I was doing that band, that was like some of my favorite songs I've ever written. I've ever done. Like, I loved that band. It was a lot of fun. Um, with Bluey. With Bluey. Total legend. Yeah. Love him. Love he, that guy. He's a legend. And he's just so such a good songwriter, too. Like, I thought, like, 
when Winston and I started that band, Winston was like, oh, we got to get Bluey in. Let's, let's have Bluey, Bluey, Bluey. And I'd never met the guy. And I was just like, who is this character? <laughs> who is this fucking dude? Um, what did you think of his setup? I <laughs> and his name. Like how Aussie is the name Bluey. Uh, yeah, so Aussie. I'm not, was... not going to go into how he got the name Bluey. Yeah, we don't need to go there. But It's not even that bad. It's just yeah, not PC. Yeah, it's not PC. You get burned these days. <laughs> I was living at the Parkway house. Like, fuck, I don't even remember what year this was, but I was living at the Parkway house. And some lads were hanging out. One of them was Bluey. And they walked past me. And Bluey, who I'd never seen his head before, I didn't know this was Bluey, comes up to me and goes, Hey, so Winston was saying I should join your band. And I was in my head, I was thinking, No, <laughs> get away from me. Who are you? Who is this animal? <laughs> and I'm like, Uh, okay, yeah. And he's like, Yeah, let me know. But turned out he's a full-on legend. Well, Sorry, Bluey. Don't mean to burn you. Nah, he'll you, be a guest he, for sure. Okay, good. You had a funny <laughs> setup back then, that's all. Uh, but he's a full-on amazing songwriter, legend of a guy. So Rain Dogs was super fun, but then it just, yeah. I've got a funny Bluey story. The first time I saw him, yeah, we went to a show in Lennox Head at the youth <laughs> center there. And we rocked up. There was about 25 people there, and there was... A kid doing singing, playing guitar and singing in a band doing a Kill Switch cover. And he had this like curly fringe with his hat backwards and baggy pants and like <laughs> just looking all sorts of harsh. And then he sings and it was a fully good voice, like sounded just huge. like Howard Jones oh doing God. When Darkness Falls or something like that, like a huge Kill Switch song at the time. And I was like, who is this lad? <laughs> And then, you know, became his mate. Wow. And um, I think shortly after I moved to Melbourne, it was like 09, and he was like, oh, I'm moving to Melbourne too. And I was like, okay, so let's become mates. And it was just me and we called him H.S. Blueson <laughs> for harsh setup for Blueson. <laughs> and we just got $4 pizzas every day. Oh my Egg God. lived there too, and that was our crew. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was just $4 pizzas at Bimbo's, <laughs> and just just going, fuck, our setups are filthy. What are we doing in Melbourne? Like, we just don't belong here. That's when I had... Um, oh, that's not the place for you. I hey. quit touring, moved to Melbourne, ended up losing 25 kilos <laughs> in six months. I remember that. Whilst living there. Yep. And somehow um, ate a lot of pizza, but I think I just worked out you three times a day. Yeah. Didn't get a job, um, even though I probably should have. And then started touring with other bands and I was like, oh, this is, this is better now. Yeah, Losing right. Losing a bit of weight was all I needed. Yeah. Fuck, imagine that. <laughs> Straightened my hair. I started wearing weird bandanas. Um, <laughs> took me a while to get a haircut, a normal one. But yeah, a normal one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the way it goes. It was a new day mm. when that all happened. It was great. Um, yeah, it just feels like another, like the, it's just funny talking to the, talking to you about this stuff because it just feels like another life. Yeah, it just it's just so far removed from what my current life is like now. Mm. But I'm just like it made me who I am. Mm. Like it's crazy how it still informs my day to day. Like, I think it gave me like a work ethic and just like a way to view things. And yeah, 
and just like not having to be like everyone else and uh, or even like um your facebook friends or whoever you look at on the gram they're all people you met when you're touring yeah and through music and they're the people you know yeah totally yeah and the people who like yeah you've got this like mutual like understanding and mutual Mm. connection like my there's like i think one or two people from high school that i talked to Mm. um but everyone else is just fat desmond basically that Mm. just hasn't done anything they haven't left which whatever whatever everyone has to do what they have to do but um yeah it's just it's crazy what it's given me i mean us sitting there having this conversation Mm. like if i wouldn't have joined comeback yet i think about that a lot actually like if i wouldn't have if scott would have gotten that email you know would you know or if i would have turned him down you know i wouldn't have met rosie Mm. Mm. i wouldn't have a daughter and wouldn't live here and i just like i i especially now with all this pandemic shit going on and trump and everything like i literally wake up every single day and i'm and i say thank you for mm. <laughs> the fact that i live here yeah right it's just god we live in a, in a beautiful property and i just go surfing and and just do my my remote job and epic hang out with you and Gaz and the family and but maybe um before we go I've been meaning to to give the listeners who are unaware of the the words a bit of a backstory do you want to try and describe Shinfo Desmond <laughs> so Shinfo is short for shitty info <laughs> which I'm pretty sure every time I die I invented right yeah that's where we got it from okay yeah <clears throat> that's where I heard it too I think and then Desmond, I heard that the first time on that first U.S. tour, Gaz referred to someone as like said, oh, hey, De- Desmond, hand me the thing or whatever. So 14 years ago. 14 years ago. And I just went, what? <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, it's just what we call each other. Mm. And yeah. It's just like idiot or dickhead or something like lighthearted. Yeah. Nothing right. serious. It's <laughs> like, oh, you're a Desmond. But like, I'm still your mate. Yeah. But like you're a fuckwit is yeah, you're actually shit. Yeah. But still the same thing. This yeah. is how our slang works. I, I just So the, the your world of slang. The Byron slang is just I have to be careful actually because I'll be talking to like work colleagues and shit and I'll say, Oh that guy's such a Desmond and I'll be like, Oh whatever and oh I can't say that. Mm. Nobody knows what the fuck I'm talking about. But Alright, so uh let's wrap it up. Final thoughts on uh, on the life that we currently live? It's a pretty... I'm saying it's an amazing life. Stoked to be in a room with you. It's great being brothers. And great being part of the family and part of Australian culture. And life's great. Sweet. And thanks to everyone and everything that brought me to this point. You've made it. I've made it. All right, that'll do us. All right. Sick. Sick.